Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. We have been working on a theme of family um, the last couple of weeks. So um, today I get the topic of talking to you about honest conversations. I don't know why they gave me this topic. Um, maybe it is because I am the mom. And, and you know, if you're, if you're a mom, the one thing moms hate is when their kids are not talking to each other. Any, any, any mom, you, you, that's probably the thing you hate most in the world when your kids are not getting on. So we're going to talk about honest conversations, and I want to just start by saying why. Why, why is that important? Why, why in a family do we need to have honest conversations? And really, it is about preserving the integrity of family. So I want to start by telling you a story, a personal story. It's actually quite a sad story. So um, I grew up in the UK, and in my extended family in the UK, there was a person in the family who was sexually abused as a young person growing up, and they never told anyone about it. But obviously it had a massive effect on their life, and the effect was that they grew up to be a quite an angry person. And this thing affected relationships in the family, but it also affected relationships out of the family. And this person held a secret for years and years and years until one day the pressure built up so much that sort of 40 years after the event, they exploded one day and they told the person who they perceived was probably the most to blame for allowing this to happen. Now, you would imagine that the truth coming out would probably bring healing. It in fact destroyed the relationship completely destroyed it because the person who shared it shared it and then was never prepared to talk about it ever again which meant that the person who just found out about it was left with an incredible burden of not being able to ask questions not being able to process that person couldn't really kind of handle the stress of that and so had to immediately tell a whole bunch of other people because they couldn't talk to the person with the problem. And so what happened within a very, very short space of time, everybody knew about the problem, but nobody was allowed to talk about it. And that was a very destructive thing. It, it, it kind of has not to this day been resolved, which is kind of really, really sad. Um, so families fragment when we can't talk to each other. It's, it, it's just a fact. It's, it's just really, really sad. But before we start, I just do want to lower your anxiety a bit, because I can see the, the anxiety in the room has gone up, and you think, oh, no, we're going to have that talk about speaking the truth in love. Who's ever tried to speak the truth in love and it went badly wrong? <laughs> Half the room. Who's, whoever has had the truth spoken to you and it didn't feel loving at all? Other half of the room. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so half of us tried to, and the other half kind of heard it, and it really didn't help. So I'm not talking this morning about being brutally honest with each other. That is really not, that's not what it's about at all. I want to talk about honest conversations, and it's about being, so it's actually about being honest in a conversation. So get behind me, Satan, is not a conversation. <laughs> just, just like to say that. Think about it. What did Peter say next after Jesus said, said that to him? <laughs> end of conversation. That was the end of the conversation. It was honest. 
And it was actually even vulnerable, if you think about it. If you read between the lines, what's Jesus saying? Peter, I don't want to discuss this right now. I am struggling to have faith for the biggest, most awful thing in my life that I'm going to have to go through, and you are not helping, so shut up. I mean, I mean is, isn't that actually what was happening in this case? So even Jesus had his vulnerable moments, and probably like most leaders, he had to point it out to his followers because they didn't notice. You know, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Oh, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? So, so these are vulnerable statements. They're honest statements, but they're not conversations. Okay. So Jesus and Peter, I think, is a great example of a family relationship, um, and particularly like growing into a family relationship, because they were not family when they started out. Um, They were not actually relatives. Jesus had a relative, John the Baptist, but Jesus and Peter weren't relatives, but they became a family. So here's another interaction between Jesus and Peter that happened a little bit later on, and this is a little bit more of a conversation. So this is in Matthew 17, verse 24. It's the chapter after the Get Behind Me Satan one. So when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, oh, trouble, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others. Okay, and when he said from others, Jesus said to him, Oh, so the sons are free. Are you getting this? Are you getting this conversation here? Jesus is not very happy about what Peter said. Peter did not represent him very well. It really, he, he wasn't, it wasn't, again, you know, wrong again, Peter. It wasn't very helpful what you said just there. So then Jesus goes on. However, not to give offence to them, go to the sea, cast a hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Okay, so there's an honest conversation There's an honest interaction because it wasn't going very well, but it's actually in a conversation. Um, I was very struck. When I I was kind of preparing for this, I was, you know, as I say, the thing that looms in your head, first of all, is the going to get behind me Satan sort of thing. I'm thinking, well, she maybe Jesus did sort of like, did he have conversations? And it was just amazing because even in worship now, when, when Richard said that thing about Jesus, about grace being a person, it was like suddenly into my mind came all these conversations that Jesus had, and they were conversations of grace. So Jesus didn't have conversations with the Pharisees, but he did have conversations with people he loved. So he had a conversation with the woman at the well, with the woman caught in adultery. He had a conversation with Mary, with Martha. He had a conversation with Simon the Pharisee. He had a conversation with the rich young ruler. Jesus had conversations with people he loved. Okay. So we're now, so we're going to start. So this is going to be very practical this morning. I wanted to help us because most of us find this really, really difficult. We, we never learned, like me and my family, we never learned how to do this. So we're going to start by learning what a conversation is. So I would like you to turn to the person next to you or just shuffle a bit if you, there's no one next to you. And I would like you, to, one of you, not both of you, one of you to start the conversation that goes, hello, how are you? <laughs> and you can carry on a little bit. <laughs> 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 
Okay, we don't need to go too on. Like, so I've got the idea of what a com- how it, like that's a conversation. That's that's how. It, so it started with one person asking the other person a question. Hey, a greeting, hello, how are you? How many people said, "Fine, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm great." Come on, put your hand up if you said that. How many of you lied? <laughs> Actually, truthfully. You see, here's the first point about honest conversations, that timing is incredibly important. You see, there has to be a good time for an honest conversation. And if this morning you were not feeling too great, you were very unlikely to admit it to the person next to you in the middle of my sermon, because you know that this is probably not a good time for an ongoing conversation or a vulnerable conversation, because to be honest, it's in the middle of my sermon. So you're not going to really have very much time to go any further than that. So you probably lied. Um, In a Margot therapy, which is a form of marriage therapy, there's a really great start to having difficult conversations. And it goes like this. You sit down and say to your partner, is this a good time for an Imago dialogue? (laughs) (laughs) So people who do Imago, generally, most of them hate that. They go, that's terrible. It's so fake. It's so awful. It's, It's forced and unnatural. But that's because... Probably most of us don't have the EQ to figure out that if you try to have an honest conversation with someone when they're not prepared for it, it is going to go badly. I've, I, I've done this not on, on more than one occasion, but one occasion not too long ago, I tried this when the person wasn't prepared for the conversation. It was complete disaster. It was awful. Okay, so the principles, you don't have to do the... I, well, you know, are you ready for an Imago dialogue? But you could just do something a little bit more natural, like, hey, kind of been thinking I'd like to talk to you about something that's quite important to me. Flag, you know, I'm not, flag that it's an important conversation so they get what you're saying. And kind of, is now a good time or kind of when would work for you? Okay, so you, you do that little, little dance first to sort of find out, is this a good time to have an honest conversation? Okay, so the first point is timing. Timing's important. The second point is mutuality. So in that conversation you just, you just had, how many people replied, I'm fine, how are you? Who did that? Oh, you get extra brownie points. <laughs> okay, the people who said, yes, I'm fine, how are you? Because conversation is a dialogue. Okay, it needs two people. Otherwise, it's just a monologue. Now, what's the problem with a monologue? A monologue is a splurge, okay? You are now going to deliver all the pent-up thoughts and emotion you have about a topic or about the person in front of you. You're just going to splurge it all out without stopping or pausing to get any feedback. Okay, so it's a little bit like projectile vomiting, once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> okay, you started this thing. Um, and and why, does it, why, why does feedback matter? Well, it, because it tells you how this person is reacting to the, what you're saying to them. It tells you whether to continue or whether you should actually shut up right now. Maybe the, you haven't, you've said too much already and then you're already in trouble. But you see, that's why difficult conversations never go very well over email. Anybody tried that? 
Um, because what happens in an email is that you have said everything you want to say before you get a scrap of feedback from them. Okay, so you've said it all. If you've said anything badly, or if anything is received other than in the way you intended for it to be received, well, actually, it's too late. It's either in black and white, and they are going to keep that and stew over it for eternity. Okay, <laughs> it's like there, so don't do that. So some people don't even like to do honest conversations over the phone because you can't see the person's face. Um, or even on Skype or FaceTime, it can be difficult to read all the body language, which is part of the communication, isn't it? It's part of tell, that tells you how is this conversation actually going. Um, and it's also how a person feels about a mode of com communication. Some people love the WhatsApp as opposed to live conversation because they have a moment to think before they reply. So if, uh, probably some of the more introvert people love WhatsApp because you actually you get this thing and you don't have to, especially if you don't read it, click on it straight away. You have a moment to think and, and then you can reply. Some people hate WhatsApp because it, oh, don't give me all those emoticons. I don't, I don't get them. I don't know what they're saying. Okay, so, so that's important that we, we kind of figure out kind of that there are two people in this conversation and how are we going to make this conversation mutual? So what are we going to have honest conversations about? This is a really good one. So we're going to start with my feelings and my needs. Why? Because I am the expert on my feelings and my needs. And I need to learn to make vulnerable statements or confessions about these things. For example, when you did that, it created anxiety for me. <laughs> I feel hurt by what you just said. I feel angry about the way you're treating that person over there. Um, and if you think about it, some of us really battle to say what we are really feeling. And I wonder why that is. I think sometimes it's because we have this idea that we know what somebody else is feeling and we're quite pressured by the fact that I'm feeling something and they're probably not feeling the same. So we had a really, really silly story about something like this, which was one time that Hilton and Janine invited Richard and I to movies. So we went to see this movie, and they were really lovely. They were going to treat us to this movie. So they said, OK, we're paying for the movie tickets, but you choose. So we looked at what was on, and we'd seen quite a few other things already. So we chose this movie called Empire. Has anybody seen the movie Empire? Don't. You are really lucky. It was terrible. It was, it was kind of this explosion of profanity from beginning to end. It's about gangs in New York. And I, it was unbelievably awful. So we sat in this movie all feeling terrible. Every single one, we all felt terrible. But we didn't want to walk out because Hilton and Janine had paid for the tickets. They didn't want to walk out because we had chosen the movie. So we endured this jolly movie right to the end. And then when we walked out and we got into daylight, you know, you emerge from the movie and you look at one another's faces and we say, that was awful. That was awful. We should have walked out, shouldn't we? We all acknowledged afterwards we should have walked out, but nobody was prepared for because we didn't really know. And, and this is the thing about, about kind of understanding, you know, first of all, I've got to own what I feel about something. You know, I've got, to, I've got to actually be honest. This is how I feel, you know. And, and, and sometimes that can be hard. It can be hard to say, I am not sure that this is a good idea, when everybody else seems to think it's a really wonderful idea. You know, oh, no, am I going to be the only person who says, oh, I don't think, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't have faith for this. 
I can't watch this movie. If you want to, that's okay, that's cool, but I just can't do it. And it's even harder when you're faced with a kind of spiritual thing. So recently, um, somebody asked me, um, how about, wouldn't Hillside love to host an all-night 24-7 prayer meeting? And I thought, oh gosh, <laughs> I'd have to have a really honest and difficult conversation with Brad and the Musos about that because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like mean, it's an awesome, of course, of course, Hillside are amazing prayer warriors. I think, oh gosh, we battled to pray for an hour on a Thursday. How are we going to pray the whole night? <laughs> so, so that was a kind of, you know, it, it was a sort of, first of all, I had to, I had to be honest about what I felt about it. Um, but even when you own your own thoughts and feelings about and, and are willing and able to express them, that's still not an honest conversation because remember, there are two people in the conversation. Um, and when it comes, so, so I may get my kind of side of things straight, but when it comes to your feelings and your needs and your motives, well, at best I'm guessing, at worst I'm just downright presumptive because I'm presumptuous because I kind of think I know what's going on and actually maybe don't. And I won't unless I ask for it or make space for it in the conversation. So I can talk about what I think, but, but I'm not going to find out what, what you feel unless I ask for it. So here's a question that I'm sure some of you are dying to ask. Do my honest opinions belong in honest conversations? <laughs> Let's have a show of hands on that one. Who thinks my honest opinions can be in honest conversations? Can is a good word. Okay, as a rule of thumb, probably not. And the rule is not unless they were asked for. Okay, so don't stick your honest opinion into a conversation unless somebody honestly asks for it. Because, and, and the, 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 the converse is true, if you ask me for my opinion, um, then maybe I will give you my opinion, but it might not be the opinion you wanted to hear. So you have to take it. So that's a, that's a risky one. If you ask for an honest opinion, you might not get what, what you want to hear. Um, and this happens kind of a lot in families because people are afraid of confronting things that they think are problematic. Something's going wrong in our family, in our environment, and they don't really want to confront it, so they try to get somebody else to take responsibility for it. <laughs> okay, So um, they're afraid that if, if I kind of raise a conversation on this matter, the other person is going to be offended. Well, yes, they, they might be. <laughs> you have to admit it's completely possible that the person will be offended because people often are. Um, if you, there is, there's never a guarantee that an honest conversation will go well. If an honest conversation starts from the wrong sort of heart, so in other words, okay, this is what I think, this is my opinion, you need to change, I don't care what you think, then it will definitely offend it will definitely go badly. So a really, so here's a really bad reason to confront is to shoot somebody else's bullets for them. Anyone ever been conned into that? Shooting someone else's bullets. <laughs> That's a deadly one. Um, and you need to ask the question, who's got the problem here? Who's affected by this problem? So the person with the problem is the one who has to start the conversation. Now, someone came up to church up to me in church the other day and they're going to kill me afterwards because they'll know who, who they are. But they kind of um, wanted to say uh, uh, they were a bit kind of 
they wanted to point out that there were some young ladies in church who were wearing skirts or shorts, I can't wear, that were so short that their bums were showing, which is not decent in order for church, and somebody really ought to speak to them or to their parents, preferably. So what do you think I did? I said, well, actually, I have no opinion on that whatsoever because I didn't see it. So I, I, didn't, I didn't see what it was like. So anybody who did see it and was offended by it is really welcome to address it. Okay. You see, if I, if I become the sort of dress police, you know, I could become hillside sort of like police, leadership police on matters of dress and decency and behavior, that's going to be a really difficult because, because how, am, how am I now going to address this problem? If I, if I go up to the person and say, hey, there are some people here who are really, really have an issue with the way that you dress. I mean, well, first of all, it's weak because I'm not the one with the problem. Uh, I, I didn't see it. And even if I had seen it, I don't know whether I would have had a problem with it because I raised three teenage daughters who all went through their funny clothes phase. And, and I might have just looked at it and thought, oh, you know, teenagers, typical, they'll grow out of it. Yeah, that, that might have been how I would have looked at the situation. Somebody else might have done it dif differently. But it's also relationally disempowering because I speak to the person and, the, and then the, the first thing they're going to come back with, well, who's got a problem? Particularly, now, suppose I don't talk to the kids. Suppose I talk to the parents. Oh, my word, who's got a problem with my kids? And let me tell you, I want to tell you this. My kids... I've been battling to get these kids to church for the last three years, and, and it's all about their heart. It's not about when they're dressed, and if you don't get that, well, you don't, you're, not, you're not in for family, and you don't understand at all, and oh, I'm, seriously, uh, I'm, I'm seriously offended. So, so this is a dangerous... Can you see how this is becoming a very dangerous conversation? And not only that, the next thing they're going to say, so who said that? Now, really, now this really, really puts me in a difficult position because I'm going to say, actually, it was Tanya. <laughs> Tanya's shaking her head because it definitely wasn't Tanya in this case because I think Tanya would have. But, but can you see, that's a problem because now they're going to say, they're going to say, well, why didn't Tanya have the guts to talk to me herself? So, so now I've created a relational division between two people. Or I could be really noble and say, actually, I can't tell you that, it's confidential. Then, then what happens? Then they look around at the 30 other people in the room and think, oh, so one of you said it. I don't know which one, so now I'm just not going to trust any of you. You are all against me. You are all anti-family. You hate my kids. This is a lousy church. I'm going. Okay, can, can you see how sometimes honest conversations can be really, really difficult? Um, and we need to kind of figure out how, how, to, how to do them. So maybe because of this sermon, gosh, because I got this sermon topic, God seems to give me a week of having honest conversations. So I just would like to share with you from my extensive ex experience of the last week, three good reasons to have an honest conversation. So the first one is probably the easiest one, but though it's, it's probably the one we do least because we just don't even think to do it. And the first one is a conversation about consultation. Okay, so this conversation starts out, what I'm about to do is probably going to affect you. So I would rather you heard about it from me, and let's have a little talk about it first. 
Okay, do you get that? I'm going to do something. It's going to affect your life. It's going to affect you in some sort of way. So I had a great honest conversation this week with a guy called David Powell. Most of you won't know is the guy who supplies books for the coffee shop. So what happened was that someone approached him at the conference in Johannesburg and said, oh, they'd like to set up a bookstore and how do they go about and whatever. So he immediately said to them, well, I think you should talk to Jill because they were in this area. So this person phoned me and I thought, well, that's a bit odd. Why are they they asking me? Because he's the distributor, I'm not the distributor. And then I thought, I thought, this is strange. Why why has he sent this person to... And then I kind of realised what was happening. He was honouring our relationship. Because because at the moment, right now, we are the only people who sell books for him in this area. So if somebody else starts doing that, it's going to affect me in some way. So he was opening the door to let's have a conversation about her. So I phoned her, so I emailed him and said, hey, David, just kind of trying to figure out what's going on here. Are you asking me what I think about this? What's going on? So yeah, so we had a conversation. We talked about like, yeah, how it would work, whether it will affect us, how it's going to work best for him, how's it going to work best for for us. And and we talked about that. We had a great conversation. It was very honest and it was very honouring. So that was really, really cool. It could have been an opportunity for offence if if something had happened and I had kind of like found out about it later via some other means, but but we avoided that because we talked about it before we, it happened. Anybody ever gone into trouble on that one? You know, you should actually... <laughs> Richard gets into trouble on all these things. <laughs> so, so, that's, so that's one good reason to have an honest conversation to actually consult with people. Okay, another good reason is concern for a brother or sister. Okay, am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Because if we're a family, actually we are. Remember, you know who said that, don't you? Am I my brother's keeper? That was Cain after he'd actually murdered his brother. I was saying, oh, my brother, what's it to do with me? Yeah, you just actually murdered the poor oak. It has a lot to do with you. So, 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 So this conversation starts out with... I'm concerned about you because I love you. All right. And again, if we go back to Jesus and Peter, there's another great conversation that we all know very, very well, which is the conversation in John 21, which starts out with Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, I'd like to point out there that Jesus was not miffed with Simon at this point. Although I have noticed that whenever Peter stuffs up, he gets called Simon again. Do you notice that? He was Simon. Yeah, yeah. You're Peter. You're, no, no, you're not Peter. Simon. <laughs> like he, you've gone back to your old ways, Simon. So let's have a conversation with Simon. No, no, I, mean, I mean, seriously, do you think Jesus has not forgiven Peter at this point? Um, what is the point of this conversation? The point of this conversation is to restore the relationship. So who is, whose sake is it for? It's actually for the sake of Peter and for the sake of Peter's destiny. Jesus is kind of saying, we have to, if we don't restore our relationship, this is going to affect your destiny. It's going to affect our relationship. It's going to affect how, how things go from this point. Has any parent here ever been worried about the friends your kids hang out with or worse, the person they happen to be dating right now? I see like a few brave hands. Shoot their hands in case the kids see. (laughs) Okay, so how do you do that? Do you just like do you just like 
storm in and say, this person's not the right, this is not the right person for you. Uh, probably not. It's not really, that's, that's not going to go very well. So many years ago, we had a destiny conversation with one of our daughters. In fact, we've had a couple of destiny conversations with our daughters over the guys that they have been dating. But I want to say that I am very proud of the way that Richard handled this question, because this, this situation, because he went in very gently and he went in kind of asking questions. So, so tell me about this person and, and, and kind of like, yeah, tell me kind of how this works and... And it, and it doesn't seem to match up with kind of some of the things, your beliefs in the past, and, and, and where is this relation going, and how, how will this affect your destiny? So he actually, he, he kind of really tried as, 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 the, as much restraint as a father can put into that, that conversation when the stakes are very, very high. He kind of went in this conversation very gently, and I think because he managed to make it a reasonably safe place, we got a very honest answer from her. <laughs> really, really honest. It was painful. It was really, really painful. But it was the start of actually something that is in our relationship that has actually kind of worked out really, really wonderfully. There is, there is a relationship where, you know, you know how sometimes you can think you've got a relationship in family? And then they do something that makes you think, oh my word, where did that come from? And then you, but then you realize that, oh gosh, I don't really know this person at all. I don't know, that this behavior mystifies me, but I don't know what's going on here. So what happened was that we began to have a conversation and it's been an ongoing conversation. But that relationship is really, really great these days because in the conversation, the main goal was actually... We might not like your choices, but our goal is to maintain the relationship. We want to keep the relationship. Um, that's really, really, really important. Um, we, so, so the second conversation, the conversation which is concern for my brother, sister, mother, son, daughter, whatever, is actually, it's all about because we are family, because this relationship matters to me, because... We, we, we are, we lo we, you know, we love one another and we want to carry on loving one another. Okay, so the third conversation is a good one, but it's probably a more difficult one. And it's more difficult for this reason, because in our family, in our family environment, we are all responsible for the relationships, the culture, the tone, the way that things happen. We all have, if we're a member of a family, we, have a, we all have a relation, we have a responsibility for that culture. So the second conversation starts out, sorry, the third conversation starts out like the second one. I am concerned about you because I love you, but it carries on. And the decisions you are making are affecting me. Okay, can you see why, can you see now why this might immediately be more and more difficult um, conversation to have. So it's, and it's really, really important that it starts out like the second one. I am concerned because I love you and it's affecting me. So I'm worried. You can tell me to butt out, but actually your behavior is impacting on me or impacting on somebody else that I love or on this church that I love or this home group that I love or this family that I love. This behavior is, is impacting in some kind of way. And, and these, to say, these can be really tricky conversations. So the way you are running this business is not going to end well and then I'm going to feel under pressure to bail you out. Ooh, that's a... Ouch. That's a can, can you see that, that, that's, a, that that's a conversation that 
might be really difficult to have and because because the person might immediately they will actually stuff you it's none of your business how I run my business my business that's my business but it does have a legitimacy to the to the question if there is some kind of an impact because actually yeah you know what if you bankrupt yourself you're part of this family and then the rest of us are going to feel responsible for you so can, can you see? So can, can you understand now? This is this is really getting into a tricky area of things, um, because sometimes we kind of have to confront things that are really really difficult. And that line between who is affected by it, um, which which is why you always have to do that. Like yeah, never shoot anyone else's bullets, never initiate it unless it's actually you have you have got serious traction. In, in the thing, unless it's seriously something that has got something to do with you. So um, Nathan had this kind of a conversation, the prophet Nathan, with King David when he did something really, really bad. Do you remember that story? So um, who'd like to go tell a king that they're wrong? <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> you could, they could throw you in jail, they could have your head cut off, or they could just send you out to the front of the battle line and get everyone else to withdraw and leave you there to get slaughtered. Okay, if you know the story, that's actually the whole point. That was actually what had already happened. So if you think about it, Nathan is going in to speak to King David, who has actually already done something pretty horrific and could well explode and do worse to Nathan the prophet. But, um, but it says in that story... This is what David had done. He'd basically left, he'd left, he'd had an affair with Uriah's wife and then she'd got pregnant, which caused a massive problem for David because now everything's going to come out in the open. So then he basically sends Uriah to get killed in battle. But this is what we're told in 2 Samuel 11, 27. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I'm sure he was displeased. Like, oh man, that was really displeasing. And so the Lord sent Nathan. Lucky Nathan. Have <laughs> you ever felt like you're really lucky, like you're the one that God decided to send into this absolute minefield? But Nathan is a super tactful guy and he's very wise. So what he goes about this, he doesn't go in and confront David. He goes and engages David in a conversation, which is actually a story. He starts telling me a story. So, hey, David, there was this rich guy and a poor guy, and the rich guy had lots of sheep, and then the poor guy only had one little you, a little girl sheep that he loved, and it was like his child, and he really, really loved it. And then the rich guy stole the poor guy's sheep. And, and then David's getting into this story and thinking, oh, that's terrible, that's wicked. Who is, who is this wicked fellow? He deserves to die. At which point we get to the punchline and Nathan says, you are the man. It's you. So the reward of tactful storytelling is that David repents and Nathan doesn't get his head cut off. That should always be a good sort of outcome when you go in for a kind of when you go in for a like a tricksy conversation. It would be really helpful if we can the other person receives it. So Daniel is another unenviable guy who has who has to tell a king that he is in big trouble because God is not pleased with him. So after the first dream that all went really wonderfully, Nebuchadnezzar had a hectic dream and he asked David to interpret the dream, but sorry, not David, Daniel, but Daniel knows that, whoa, he's not going to like this interpretation. Um, this is in Daniel chapter 4 and 19. So then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. 
The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. So Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Okay, what's he, what's he doing? Technique number one when called to address a really difficult issue with someone is to lower their anxiety in the relationship by reassuring them that you are on their side. So that's exactly what Daniel does here. He says, oh God, oh my word, this interpretation is terrible, it's hectic. Please, oh my king, I, 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 this should be for somebody else, it shouldn't be for you. So he's actually kind of basically asserting his own relational loyalty to the king, his love for the king and saying, you know, oh, I, I really, but, but then he has to be honest. So even, so even when Nebuchadnezzar persuades him to give him the whole, which is quite a nasty interpretation, basically that you, you are going to go mad and be out in the fields, kind of, you're going to have like a basically psychotic breakdown and you're going to eat grass and be a wild man for several years. So Nebuchadnezzar surprisingly isn't actually angry with Daniel because it'd be kind of really nice not to shoot the messenger, wouldn't it? So he doesn't actually shoot the messenger. That doesn't even really take it that kind of seriously. But when it all happens and it all comes to, and takes place, at the end of the whole story, you'll see that Nebuchadnezzar comes out of that honouring God, but also still honouring Daniel, who basically spoke the truth to him, but he did it in, in such a way that was preserving of their relationships. So sometimes these kind of honest conversations that we have to do are not even about sin. I would hate you to think this is all about addressing issues of sin, as it was in the case of David, or even like a bad attitude with Nebuchadnezzar, because basically Nebuchadnezzar, it was just pride. He was just prideful. He didn't give God glory for where he had got to. So, so it's, it's not even sometimes that it's a matter of sin. Sometimes that honest conversation could be about something as simple as, how do your strengths play out negatively for me? You've got all these wonderful strengths, but are you aware that sometimes your strength of this actually doesn't work out so well in my life. Um, sometimes it can be a, a, a kind of a, a conversation about someone else's freedom. You are utterly free to do that. You're free to make that choice. You're free to make that decision. You're free to behave in that way. But again, it's kind of impacting negatively on me or on someone else. So, so for all of us, we are free, but our freedom affects other people. And I think one of the key strategies in the Bible for family dynamics is just this thing to live considerately. You know, if we live considerately, it means we consider what we're doing and how it might impact on somebody else. So, so when we kind of live considerably, we, we, we A, start by having that conversation of like, before I do this, let's find out how this is going to affect you. But then maybe sometimes we don't think about that and then afterwards something's gone badly wrong or it's impacted someone. And then the, again, the person with the problem, not somebody else. Don't go, actually go and has to go and say, hey, you know what, this is, this is kind of not working out great for me. It's really, it's really Im impacting me. One of the best honest conversations is simply, I'm sorry, wished I hadn't done that. Well, that's kind of really good, honest conversation to have. Or even better, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You see, even sorry can be dishonest, okay? Sorry is not always honest in a conversation, particularly if I'm just saying it to placate you. 
You know? It's no good saying sorry in a conversation if you don't really mean sorry. Because all of these conversations, what is at the, at the bottom of them all is the thing about preserving the unity in the family and maintaining relationships in the family. So because it's all about that, it's all about the relationships, it's all about the family. The, the final point I want to make about this is that you only have the right to be honest when you're in the relationship. Okay. So it's not really helpful to be honest when your foot is kind of half out the door. Um, someone once told me some really, really honest things they felt about me as they were leaving. Um, and th- there, was, yeah, there was a bit of conversation, but, but not really. There, there was no point disagreeing or even giving feedback because, because the person made it very clear that they had, or as far as they were concerned, they'd already left. The relationship was now at an end because of these things. And, and that was kind of really, really hard to to process, it was a little bit like I said the story with, uh, at the beginning with my family when someone says, this is the problem. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe I was very much part of the problem, but when you tell me there's a problem, but we're not going to talk about it now, then that's kind of like really, really hard. And I think that particular conversation, it took me about 18 months and two sozos to get over it. But, but it's kind of, but, but I'm sort of relatively healed now. So I think there's just a plea from me, and, and I think in, in many ways, as I say, this is, a, this is a kind of, this morning, a message from the mother heart of the church, is, is that really, if you love people, have ominous conversations with them. We need to be able to talk honestly to one another if we love one another. Um, but if we're not committed to working out the problems and to pushing into the relationship, kind of, well... Probably don't bother, <laughs> because because I don't have the right to say anything to someone that I don't want to carry on the conversation with. You know, if 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 I don't want to continue the relationship, if 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 all if all the conversation is about putting up a boundary, putting up a barrier, making sure you don't ever come near me and ever hurt me ever again. Well, sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we do that with dangerous people. But then that means they, they're not going to be family. That person's never, ever going to be part of the family if I, can't, if I can't have that conversation take. Because the conversation, honest conversations, as I'm talking about this morning, are about getting closer to people. So my advice was this morning is like start with little things. You know, don't start with the, the most like kind of cataclysmic thing that's ever happened in, in, in this relationship or in the family. Have a, and, and, and have a conversation about it. So not a rant, not a moan, not an accusation, not a confrontation. Have a conversation. Conversations are really, really disfusing. As I say, Jesus had conversations with people he loved and he tackled some really, if you think about it, woman at the well. He tackled woman in adultery. Mary, Martha, Simon, he, he tackled some really, really big stuff in, in conversations. Um, many, many families disintegrate because we don't have the conversation soon enough or honest enough to solve the problem while our hearts are still open. That, that, that's the key to the thing. The key, this conversation is about keeping my heart open towards you because, yeah, because there's some stuff going on that is making me want to close my heart towards you. And I don't want to close my heart towards you. I want to be family. I want us to be family together. So, so let's start having those conversations while 
you know, let's practice, you know, start with the easy stuff. Practice on some small things so that if something big ever does go down, we've actually got some sort of skills to be able to handle it and to approach one another for the sake. Because actually, I mean, if you know in family, when I, when I think of some things that have gone down, like with our daughters, families can survive some pretty cataclysmic stuff if we actually can process it, if we can talk about it, if we can maintain the relationship. It's amazing what families can go through and what, can, what families can come through and not just survive but thrive if we have that capacity to love one another and to talk to one another about it. So that is me. Can I pray for us? Would that be a good idea? <laughs> we all need prayer for this. So, Father God, I just want to thank you that um, you know, even God as a father, like you... You, you, you demonstrated, right, even in the Old Testament, when, when I look at your relationship with, with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, that you were willing to have conversations with people. You, you were never this father who just bombed on people from a dizzy height, but you, were, you had conversations with the people that you, that, that you loved, that had relationship with you. And then you sent Jesus to show us how to have conversations with each other. So, Father God, I just pray for this family. I pray for all the individuals' families represented here, like nuclear families and, and friendships and home groups and, and friendship groups in this, but, but even for Hillside as a church as a whole, that you would just really help us to have honest conversations with us, that really we would, we, we, we just up the degree of authenticity in, in our environment, just to be able to really, really say that we can love one another really freely because we are able to be honest and truthful with each other, that we, Lord, we want, we want real church. We don't want fake church here on Sundays. We, wanna, we want a real family, a family that loves enough sometimes to climb in, sometimes to climb in and, and talk about stuff that maybe is hard to talk about. But Father God, I know that, that you enable us to do this because we have your Father heart and you've given us Holy Spirit inside us just to know how to start a difficult conversation, what to say, when to shut up. We, Lord, we just want to rely on you, Holy Spirit, to help us in this endeavor. And yeah, just blessings on everyone today as they go. Blessings on the moms. Yeah, I just pray it would be a day, it would be a great day for family. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.